0: Woo. Wow. And happy anniversary to all of you. Happy anniversary to those of you in our video teaching service today. Man, I cannot believe it has been eight years. Um, that very first Sunday, some of you were there. It rained pretty early that morning. And that morning, there was a double rainbow, literally kind of arching over Summit Lakes Middle School while, while we were setting up for church. And you say, Christian, why do you think it was a double rainbow? Because I have a double rainbow faith. You say, what do you, what do you mean by that? I mean this, if I'm asking God to show up and a rainbow shows up, my first thought is to think, did God really send that or is that for someone else? So when two are in the sky, God's saying, don't make me send three. Like like Christian, just believe me and go, anybody else a double rainbow type of person? Like you just, even when God moves, you doubt it first. And it has been an incredible Incredible eight year journey that we're going to celebrate a little bit today. But uh, man, our faith is never about our past, it's always about our future. So, if you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 33, to those of you watching online at your kids' games, to a couple of our couples that are watching online from vacation in Italy. Send us pictures, take us with you next time. We're glad that you are hanging out with us. We are in the middle of a series right now called Foundations. We're learning why we can trust the Bible. We're gonna take just a little break from that series today to talk about where we are in our faith, where we are as a church, but we're gonna go back to Sunday number one of this series in Exodus chapter 33. We're gonna go back to where we started this series, and here's the question that I have for you as a Christian today. If you're here in this auditorium, if you're in our video teaching service, if you're watching online, here's my question for you. Are you chasing the vision that God has called you to in life? Just go back from last Sunday to this Sunday. Would you say you've spent the last seven days chasing the vision God has called you to in life? Do you even know the vision that God has called you to in life? We're in Exodus chapter 33. Moses is on a mountain with God. And if you remember back to message one of our foundation series, Moses has some kind of critical life questions for God. God, why are we here? God, where are you taking us? God, what's our purpose? Good questions. If you haven't asked those questions yet in life, you need to. God, why are we here? God, where are we going and and why are we going? What is our grand purpose in life? Moses gets to the end of this question and he asks God. They say, God, I need you to show me your glory. I need you to I need you to show me why you matter, why we matter. God, I need you to show me what you're doing in my life and in our world. Show me your glory. Show us our purpose. Help us see the vision you have for us. And for our world. If you do that, God, we can move forward. We believe the Bible came out of that question. God, help us understand your vision for us and for the world. But today I want to ask that about your life and our church. God, what is your vision for us and for the world? Before we dig in today, our prayer is the same prayer that Moses had God, show us your glory. Show us why us, why now, why here. Show us your vision for our life. That's what we want to pray. Would you bow your heads with me quickly here and in our video teaching service? And would you pray the same prayer Moses prayed? Would you take a deep breath and just, would you release last week? It's over, you can't go back and change it. Release it. The good, the bad, the ugly. Would you just let next week be on hold? It'll be there tomorrow. If God allows you to wake up with breath in your lungs, it'll be there tomorrow. Live today, right now, asking God to show you his vision for your life. God, that's our prayer. Why us? Why here? Why now? God, what is your vision For our church, for our lives, show us that as we study today with Moses. We love you. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Amen. We're going to start in verse 12 and go through verse 18 of Exodus 33. should sound like a familiar text for those of you who were here in the first week of the series. Moses is on the mountain with God and he says to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people. But you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You said I know you by name. And you found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I might know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you. I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I'll do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I do know you by name. Then Moses said, show me your glory. Now, here's what you need to know. This conversation took 41 years for Moses to have with God. I do not have time this morning to get into that 40-year history. So I take about 10 minutes of the Activate podcast this week. And this week on the Activate podcast, I take you back to this discussion that was 41 years in the making. Moses had this passion. He just never asked God how he was supposed to act on it. Moses had this calling in his heart. He just never said, God, what is your plan for this calling in my heart? So I take about, t- about 10 minutes to talk about this 40-year history that we don't have time for today. But here's what you need to know about this 40-year history. Lots of twists And turns from murder to wilderness survival to burning bushes and talking to God. And finally, in Exodus chapter 33, to a mountain top with God and a vision that that would lead to you and I sitting here today. A vision that would change everything. Here's the goals I have for us as we sit in church this morning. Maybe as you watch online in the middle of the week at some point. Here are my goals. Number one, to get you on the mountain with God. When's the last time you had a day on the mountain with God? When's the last time you had a retreat on a mountaintop with God where you said, God, I'm going to leave my life below and I'm just going to get alone with you. God, show me your glory. Show me yourself. Show me your plan for my life. Today, I want to help you get up on the mountaintop with our church, for our generation, for our church, but for your life, to see what God is saying to you about your life. Number two, I want to help you understand the 25-year vision of our church. But that's going to be through the lens of what I believe God wants all of us to do as Christians. This isn't a message about our organization as much as the individuals who call our church home and and what could happen if we all move in the same direction together. And then number three, here's, here's really what I want to happen today. I want to convince you to chase the vision. To chase the vision God has for you and to make sure you're not just running through life. Let's ask that question again from last Sunday to this Sunday Were you chasing the vision god has called you to? Or did you just hope to get up every day and have enough energy to go to bed every night? Let's be honest Are, are we living on mission as people who every day chase the vision god has given us? Or are we just trying to get through life So christian, how do I even answer that question? I'm going to try to give you some measurements for your spiritual life that will help you with that. In the spring of 2011, about eight months before we started our church, I was at Liberty University where I'd gone to my undergraduate college. I'd done both my seminary degrees through Liberty Seminary, and I was meeting with their church planning board to ask for their help and their partnership in this, this new church, Journey Church International, that we would launch that fall. And I was sitting in a, in a massive boardroom with pastors from around the country of churches that had graduated from liberty who had been involved in liberty and they wanted to know two things There were like eight of us that they had brought in to interview us to talk to us and they wanted to know two things Why are you starting a church and how will you know it's successful? Why are you starting a church and how will you know it's successful? Those are the only two questions that we got to answer if, if you can picture this massive boardroom table This big thick probably oak table with about 18 pastors sitting around it and i'm at the very end They want to know christian. Why are you starting a church? And how are you how are you going to know it's successful? And I took him back in, in our vision. If you've been to our Get Connected gathering, you've heard about you know, God really shaping my heart after a decade in student ministry to be passionate about some very specific things. And then how in Seoul, South Korea on October 23rd of 2009, God spoke to my heart and said, go, go do this. I've been building this church in your heart. Now it's time to build it in Lee Summit, go and do this. And I just, you know, my answer, I, said, I, feel, like God, I feel like God told me to start this church. And they said, we're so happy to hear that. You have no idea how many people sit in here, and we say, "Why do you want to start a church?" And they say, "Because I don't like my old pastor. Or I want to make more money, or I want to be in charge." They said, so "We're looking for burning bush moments. We're looking for the Moses God told me to." And it sounds like you really believe God told you to start a church. And they say, "How will you know it's successful? How will you know that it works?" And over the next seven months, the Liberty Church Planning Network, who would. Provide oversight support they would approve all our budgets They'd help us put an elder board in place along with the launch network out of atlanta That helped us plant that gave us money that gave us coaching that continue to be our friends and our pastors today They helped us figure out what success looked like And here's how they phrase success to us. They said christian What does your church have to have happen? For it to be successful and here's what they said If you have 10 people in your church and it never grows bigger than that, but these things are happening You would say if these things happen, we're successful And if you had 10,000 people in your church, but these things never happened, you would say, we have failed miserably. We got a big crowd, but we don't have a church. What are the things that no matter how many people you have, if it's happening in them, your church wins? Let's figure out what those things were. And we came up with five that we call our core beliefs. They're actually hanging on the wall as you walk back towards the children's section of our building. We do not believe these are the core beliefs of churches. We believe these are the core beliefs of Christians. We said, we're not really sure what a church is supposed to look like. We know a church is just a gathering of people, but we know what Christians are supposed to look like. So if all our Christians look like what the Bible says a Christian is supposed to look like, we guess that we are a successful church. If we can help Christians look like what the Bible says they're supposed to look like. And we said, here's here's what should be happening in the people of our church if our church is successful. One, everyone should be growing spiritually. If if no one's growing spiritually, it doesn't matter if we have 10 or 10,000. If no one's growing spiritually, what what is the purpose? We have to have spiritual growth. Number two, we have to have generosity. God so loved the world that he gave. His people are like him, so they give. So we have to be a people. If we ever collect a dollar, we're going to give part of that. We have to live generously. We said we have to have community impact. Jesus said, and I'll give this verse to you later in the text, but Jesus said, if there are Christians in the world, there will be needs that are seen and there will be needs that are met. That's how you'll know Christians exist in a place. They'll see what needs to be done and they'll do it. They'll impact the community that they live in. We, we said we got to be a church of global impact because Jesus told his disciples, if you do anything, go all over the world, tell people about Jesus. So we said, we got to do that because Jesus told us to. And then we got to be a church that shares Jesus. We said, not as a strategy to grow our church, but just as a reality of knowing Jesus. If you know him, you show him. So we said, those are going to be our measurements. If those things are happening, We win. Uh, Our measurements will never be attendance. Our measurements will never be offerings. Our measurements are gonna be the, if these are happening, we win. If they're not happening, we lose. Last summer, I took a six-week sabbatical at our church after our staff has been here seven years. We let them get away for an extended period of time. And here's why. After you've been here seven years, it's very hard to see more than seven days in advance. It's just every Sunday comes fast. And as soon as you go to bed tonight, you wake up Monday and you think Sunday's coming. So you need to kind of back away so that you can see not seven days at a time, but another seven years at a time. God, show us the bigger vision. And I got back up on the mountain with God last summer and said, all right, Lord, I need to get out of the week to week. Remind me again what the plan is. And I felt like God showed me not just the next seven years, but he said, Christian, if you look backwards and if you just keep doing what you've been doing from the beginning, I think here's where your church could be in 25 years, in 2045, if you would keep moving forward. If you would chase the vision rather than just running through life, Sunday's coming in six days. T minus six days. Let's get ready for church again. If you would chase the vision of success in your people, rather than just getting ready for church on Sunday, here's where I think your church could get if, if everyone is growing spiritually, living generously, impacting the community, loving the world, sharing Jesus. If everyone does this, here's where you could, here's the mile marker you could be at in your church's history. And what we did is we put together a 25 year vision through the lens of our core beliefs. But these core beliefs today, they serve a dual purpose. Because here's what I wanna do. I wanna tell you, here's where we're headed in our core belief. But these core beliefs are our core beliefs of Christians, not churches. So as we go through each one of these areas, I'm gonna ask you to rate yourself today on a scale of one to 10. 10 is, I'm doing better in this area than I've ever done in my life. One is, not really doing good right here. Today's message serves a dual purpose. I wanna both tell you where our church is going, but at the exact same time, tell you where you are and ask you the question Are you chasing where God wants you to go, or are you just, it's Sunday and you're just trying to make it to Monday? And on Monday, you're waking up and you're trying to make it to Tuesday. Are you chasing the vision, or are you just running through life? Who has God called every Christian to be? What has God called every Christian to do? Number one, growth spiritually. Spiritual growth is something we are super passionate about. Rate yourself right now in this area. Think for just a second. Fall of 2019, how's spiritual growth going for you? Are you growing like crazy? Are you growing a little bit? Are you growing backwards? Are you growing at all? Do this. I actually went in and changed my message a little bit last night because I asked everyone to rate themselves in these areas. And God said, Christian, don't just ask them to rate their reality, ask them to rate their heart. Don't just ask them to rate where they are, ask them to rate whether or not they even care about this. So, are you growing spiritually? And let me ask you a second question Do you even care? Are you burdened by where you are? Because spiritual growth is a core reality of every follower of Jesus. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses six and seven says. Paul steps into this church at Corinth that he started, had some really immature people spiritually, and they were trying to figure out which teacher they like to hear teach best on Sunday mornings. And Paul said, stop it. It's not about the teachers. It's about what God's doing in you. He says, I planted the seed of Paulus. Another teacher watered it. But God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. If you are a follower of Jesus, God will be making you grow. So how is your spiritual growth going? You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but healthy Christians are growing Christians. Healthy Christians are growing Christians. If you had a baby and three years after it was born, it was still seven pounds, 11 ounces, nine pounds, two ounces for those of you who had big babies, you know, six pounds, one ounce. You would look at it and say, something's wrong, not, it's so cute. <laughs> right? And some of you, spiritually, you're still six pounds, 11 ounces. You're still eight pounds, three ounces. You're still nine pounds, two ounces. And the church shouldn't, sh- shouldn't say, aren't they cute? The church should say something unhealthy is happening here because healthy christians are growing christians And as a church everything that we do we have kind of four really outlets of ministry at our church Our sunday morning experiences our small groups our serving groups and then our equip groups helping people grow spiritually All of these things are targeted to help you grow in four areas Know god be transformed in your spirit find your purpose that god created you for then go do it go make a difference Everything in our church is targeted towards those things and for you to grow in those things. And as our, vi- as our vision has become clear eight years in, it's, it's interesting how once you look back at seven years, you can say, here's where we got lost and here's just two or three things we want to do better the next seven. We've decided seven years in that when it comes to this area of spiritual growth, our church really wants, we, we desire to be a church known for two things. Number one, we want to be a church that is a church of prayer. We want to be a church that's a church of prayer. Tomorrow morning, we'll be praying from 6 to 7 a.m. We just wrapped up 21 days of prayer. And I'll be honest, it's the greatest thing our church has ever done. And in its eight-year history, 21 days of prayer, nothing else is even close to what's, what it did in my spirit and what I feel like it did in the spirit of our church. We have to be a church that prays. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to be teaching on kind of the DNA of prayer and what prayer says about your soul in, a, in an eight-minute devotional before everyone goes, starts their week in prayer. We want to be a church of prayer. listen. Not because prayer is easy. Listen closely. We don't want to be a church of prayer because prayer is easy. We want to be a church of prayer because prayer is essential, and you cannot breathe spiritually without prayer. You can't live filled spiritually without prayer. So we know in this area of spiritual growth, we are growing towards prayer, but then we also know, we want to be a church. We're going to be a church, as long as I'm the pastor, whose foundation is on the word of God. We're going to be a church that says, "You know what? This is the playbook. This is God's special revelation to invite us into relationship with him. And we're gonna be a church that bases its foundation on the word of God. I don't know if you know this or not, but the number one spiritual discipline found in the life of nearly all growing Christians is a commitment to daily Bible study. Universally, over the last 2,000 years, you look at people who are really growing spiritually, they're people who are in the word. So we wanna teach people how to really grasp scripture. And one of our long-term visions as a church is not just to preach the Bible, not just to tell people to go read the Bible, but we have a vision now that we are beginning to talk to institutions about to, to launch and establish what we're calling the Journey Bible Institute, to partner with local Bible colleges, to partner with national seminaries, and basically to allow you at our church, through our church, through our ministry, to basically get a two-year Bible degree, to get a grasp on New Testament, Old Testament overview, to be able to take theology classes and doctrine classes, to be able to take church history classes and apologetics classes, to be able to take theology classes because we believe at some point your faith takes a turn and it only goes as deep as your understanding of who scripture is. Scripture helps you know Jesus better because he is the word that became flesh and he came and dwelt among us. So we said as a church, we're going all in with the Bible. And we're not gonna wait till we have accreditation where we can you know, give someone an official certificate starting this January on Sunday nights, We're going to have an apologetics class at our church, literally a semester of apologetics that you can sign up for. We're going to offer a systematic theology class at our church starting this January that you can sign up for. For those of you who said, I need to go deeper spiritually, I can't grow unless I understand the Bible better. We believe God wants us to be a church that has the ability to train Christians in our city to really know and understand and follow the Bible. We're really, really excited to get started and we're excited for what that will do. Number two, obviously we wanna be a church that's known for generosity. Again, rate yourself in this area. How are you doing in this area of generosity? Two things, rate yourself, rate your current status, but then rate your heart. Again, do you even care about it? Because right now your rating may go like this. How are you doing in the area of generosity? You might say zero, can't give right now. How's your heart doing? 10, I think about it every day. I'm burdened by it every time we take an offering. I want to be able to give. I feel like God wants me to make so I can give. But right now, I'm really struggling. Rate yourself, rate your heart. Where are you in this area of generosity? Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure. pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I believe part of God's good hand on our church the last eight years is because we have given. As you saw on the screen, more than a million and a half dollars from our little church that's only eight years old has gone out from what's come in. And we've said, God, let us give more. I went several months ago as we were shaping our 25-year vision and asked our finance team, I said, guys, would you put together a projection? Just take the last seven years of our church, what we've given, how we've given, and slow down our growth, slow down our income, and don't increase our giving. But the next 25 years, if we just... If we kind of stay the same and we keep growing, less, that we grow, less than we've grown before, but healthy, if we don't go backwards, how much will we have given away when our church is uh, at 2045? How much will we give away the next 25 years? And they ran the numbers. And I don't know if you know this or not, but one of the dreams that we have a church, as a church that can be supported by the numbers is we could see $20 million wow. invested into church planning community impacting global missions by the year 2045. We could be a church that if we just live generously, we just do what we've been doing, that by 2045 can look back and say, our church has invested $20 million, not from special offerings, just from people being, just from people doing what's right, just from people living generously. Our church has given $20 million to community outreach, to global missions, to church planning by the year 2045. When I hear that number, there are lots of pastors who don't want to take the offering. I want to take the offering. Because yeah. when I hear that number, I think, let's take it again. Because the more we bring in, the more we can give. The more we give, the more our impact is. It's like, God, let's go. Christians live generously. Number three, this area of community impact. Rate yourself again. Remember, Christians in a community should see needs and meet needs. Rate yourself. How are you doing in the area of community impact? We are three quarters of the way through 2019. Have you served an hour in our community this year yet? Have you helped your neighbor with anything? Have you helped a parent on your kid's sports team with anything? Do you see and meet needs? Rate yourself, and again, rate your heart. Don't just say, well, here's what I'm doing today. Do you even care? Some of these are just realities that have to get in your soul if you're going to chase the vision of who God has created you to be. You're going to have to care differently about certain things. You're going to have to think every time you drive by something, I, I can't do something today, but man, I'm, like, I'm going to do something eventually. Write your heart for community impact. Jesus gives us a real clear picture in Matthew chapter 25 of what the end times evaluation will be like. He gives us the answers to the test before we have to take it. Didn't you love teachers when you were in high school who gave you the study guide that was the exact test. I love those teachers because I didn't have to learn anything. I just had to memorize a few things. And if I could memorize those and hang on to it for 24 hours, I could learn nothing but ace the test. I love teachers that gave me the answers before the test. In Matthew 25, Jesus gives us the answers before the test. He said, on the end times, here's what God is looking for. And he says this in Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 through 36. This is God inviting people out of a crowd into heaven. He says, the king is going to say to those on his right, come. You who are blessed by my Father, and take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. What do these people look like? He said, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick. And you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Jesus said, I'm gonna give you the answers before I give you the test. One day, Jesus, God's gonna stand before people and he's gonna say, here's how we know who the Christians are, people who did those things. Those are, the, those are the people who grasped the heart of the gospel. They fed the hungry. They hosted and housed the stranger. They were working in clothing those who needed clothes and caring for the sick and visiting those in prison. And it's interesting because as a global missions church, You know, we go to Guatemala and we find these things and we say, let's take over an entire community. But we've started asking ourselves beyond continuing to do these five things in our community. Feed the hungry, host and house the stranger, clothe the naked, care for the sick, visit those in prison. We said, man, we don't have to go to Guatemala to find people who live in third world conditions who need a total community transformation. We began to dream a dream as a church. And we said, what if in 25 years we could have this dream? What if we could see a total village transformation in a specific neighborhood of the urban core of Kansas City? What if we could say we don't have to go to Guatemala to find people who are living in 80% single-parent homes? What if we don't have to go to Guatemala to find people who don't have three warm meals a day? What if we don't have to go to Guatemala to find people who aren't graduating even from middle school? What if we could find just two or three blocks in our city and say, you know what, those schools, we're going to make them great those libraries we're going to help those community centers we're going to resource and serve those fire stations and police stations we're going to figure out what they need we're going to help them those neighborhoods and parks we're going to keep them up what if we said we can't change our entire city but those two blocks we got them and over 25 years we just kept going to the exact same place to see total village transformation not just all over the world but like here in our very own city we said man our city 25 years could be different at least a little pocket of it could be different because our church existed. We've got a huge vision for community impact, but we'll need a church full of people who are committed to community impact to see that happen. Number four, global impact. This is probably the area I'm most passionate about because it's the the area that impacts my soul most deeply. Global impact, rate yourself. And again, rate your heart. This is actually the area where this sermon changed a little bit because for all the other ones it was rate yourself, rate yourself, rate yourself, and then I got to this one and I didn't just say rate yourself because here's how you rate yourself: you've either been or you, or you haven't. You're either getting ready to go or you're not, and I thought, you know, this is this is an easy rating. It's like 10, I'm going to Israel in January, or like zero, I've never been. But I thought, no, it's not that simple. I wonder how many people haven't been but they deeply want to go, and I wonder how many people haven't been and they said, I'm never going. And Jesus said, go into all the world. He said, no, I don't like to travel. Hang on. Like, I don't find that in Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus said, go if you like to travel. Go if you're not afraid to fly. Go if you don't worry about getting a parasite. Like, like he didn't say, like, go if you just like hanging out. He said, go. In Matthew 28, 19, and 20, what we know is the Great Commission. It's, it's pretty clear. Jesus said, therefore, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And then he gives us his promise, and I will be with you. I'm afraid to fly. I'll be with you. I don't like foreign food. I'll be with you. We, we can't drink water, and I like to drink water when I'm in the shower. I'll be with Like Jesus said, listen, I'll be with you to the very end of the age, even if you brush your teeth with the tap water. It happens. There's a pill for it. You'll be okay. go. To the nations. So we are right now deeply engaged in a village called La Cidra in the mountains of Guatemala. But we said, what could happen the next 25 years if we just stayed real intentional? And we believe we could see total village transformations on every continent on the globe centered around life-giving church plants with pastors that we train and that we resource well. But more than that, we said, you know, we don't just want to be a church that goes, we want to be a church that sins. We feel like God gave us a very kind of specific goal that can't be met unless he helps us. And that's this. We want to see more than 10 global church plants on every continent in the world through total village transformations. But we want to see more than 500 missionaries raised up and sent out from JCI. We want to see 500 kids, families, people who literally move to be missionaries on the foreign mission field. Some of them will be your children. So you're going to have to rate your heart because you say, I don't want my kid to go live in Africa their whole life. What if God does? We met a missionary at 21 Days of Prayer, Jeremiah. Uh, I won't say his last name because he's going to an area in the Middle East that uh, is very tough. He and his family and his four young kids getting ready to move to Turkey. He said, it'll take you six years to be able to convert one person because you need three years to learn the Turkish language and then another three years to learn the dialect in the mountain. And we think on the seventh year, you'll be able to have a conversation with someone about Jesus. Come on now. It's like, you're crazy. No, you're called. You're called. So we're going to pray that God calls 500 kids. We got one right now, Akira Murphy. We got one kid who's been raised up out of our church who right now is living on the mission field. We have 499 to go. You might be one of them. Your kids might be one of them. But we're going to march intentionally towards not just being a going church, but being ascending church. Number five, we want to share Jesus passionately, always, consistently. Again, rate yourself here and rate your heart. You might say, man, I'm really bad at this, but I feel really bad about that. Sharing Jesus, how you doing in sharing Jesus? Matthew 5, 16 says it this way. It's not even a spoken language sometimes you have to have. Let your light shine before others that they might see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Jesus said, Christians share Jesus without even trying if they have him. They just live and everyone sees him. So who do people see Jesus to be in your life as they look at you and they watch you? We've said we're going to be a church at Journey that shares Jesus. We're going to share Jesus. And when it comes to sharing Jesus, here's who we've decided we will be. And these are difficult decisions, to be honest with you. When it comes to sharing Jesus, we said we're going to be courageous. We're going to throw lots of seeds, and we're going to celebrate what we see as spiritual transformation. It's hard to do sometimes. You know who attacks churches who share Jesus courageously the most? Other churches. When, when you celebrate 3,000 people have made spiritual decisions, probably you and me and some of you and lots of churches are saying, no way, you can't prove it. You're right, we can't prove it. But we're gonna be courageous and throw in throwing seeds and we're gonna, like, we, we're just gonna, we're gonna hope for the best. We don't save people, Jesus does. But we're not gonna say, we're not sure how many he's gonna save. We're just gonna throw out like one or two seeds today. No, we're gonna throw about a handful. We're going to be courageous. We're we're going to throw the gospel to kids at VBS. We're going to throw it to students. We're going to throw it every Easter. We're going to throw it every Christmas. People need Jesus. And it's not up to us to hold him back because we're not sure whether or not they're serious. So we're going to be courageous in sharing Jesus. We are number two going to be equipping because honestly, discipleship begins the fastest when you lead your friends to Jesus and you don't rely on me to do it. Part of the church's problem is they rely on the pastor and the stage to do all of the ministry. And we'll throw seed, we'll tell people about Jesus. But if you will lead your friends to Jesus and and then start helping them understand who Jesus is, we're gonna equip you to talk to your friends about Jesus. This foundation series, to answer their hard questions, to show them how to be disciples, to show them how to read the Bible. We're gonna put all the ministry back in your hands because you do it better than we do. You'll do it better than we do. It'll sink deeper when you do it. So we're gonna be equipping, but then we're gonna be open. We're gonna be open in four very specific areas as a church. First, we're going to be open in our hearts. We're going to be a church that, so we have open hearts for people who don't know Jesus. There are some churches, they don't want anyone in their church who doesn't know Jesus because it gets messy. So we're going to say we're always going to have open hearts. We want people who don't know Jesus to be a part of our church. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to be a church that always has open seats. And this is hard to do. Because we have more people coming than seats in our church right now, but we're going to be a church that has open. We will always provide open seats for one family who needs to come and find Jesus. We'll we'll always have open seats. If we have to set them on the stage, we'll always provide open seats. We will have thirdly open timelines for spiritual growth. We're not going to tell someone you accepted Jesus, you got one year to start looking like a Christian, or you're out. You can't be. You can't participate in our church. We're going to have open timelines. We have open timelines. Because after spending three years with Jesus, the disciples were still a bunch of bums spiritually. So it takes at least three years if Jesus is your small group leader and Jesus right now is not a small group leader at our church. So it probably takes times 10, 30 years for people to really begin to grow spiritually. And then we're gonna have open hands. We're gonna have open hands in giving because we gotta continue to give to finance what God is calling us to do. You know, one of the first things we have to do to share Jesus well over the next two years I think you all know this. I'll say it clearly if you don't. We're, we're getting ready to try to build a building as a church. On November 10th, we're launching uh, about six weeks of ministry where we'll show you the building that we're designing, that we've been taking to the city, and, and we will attempt to see whether or not our church is ready to, to build a building. We know what we need. We'll find out if we're ready because we'll go at the pace of the resourcing and the giving of our people. We need a building. I'm not sure if you know that we need a building. We do too many church services for our church to feel like a family. Like we're just scattered everywhere. Um, so we, we, need, we need a building. And Lord willing, in two years, we're going to be in a building. Until then, we're out at, of we're at room. Like we're out of room. So in your bulletin, you say, how quickly are we going to have to be open in our hearts and open in our seats? Like real quick. Inside your bulletin, our next big step as a church to chase the vision of who God has called us to be is we are starting on Sunday, October 6th, a second Sunday morning service at Summit Lakes Middle School because we can't get people to quit coming at 9.30. It's just like the best time to attend church. Last Sunday at 9.30, we had 20% over the capacity of this room. We had plastic chairs lining the aisles that, we've, that we found in storage and brought in here. We have no parking. We, we don't have any room. And if a family who desperately needed Jesus at the end of the rope walked in 10 minutes late, we'd have had to say, we're sorry. There are lots of people in the Bible that I wanna grow up and be like. The innkeeper in the Christmas story is not one of those. Hey, sorry, we're full. Yeah. It's like, sorry. God's moving. We're full. We can't say that. So I literally need not you because you're the 8am service. All the godly people come at 8am. So we don't have to worry worry about you guys. Like you, you get it. You are open in your sleep timeline. You are open in your alarm clock. Thank you for coming. For those of you watching in the video service, get up earlier and you never have to watch on video because we always, we always do the 8am line. Um, But we need need literally 200 people to go to Summit Lakes and to go to church over there at 9 or 10.30. We're bumping back the 10.15 service, uh, 15 minutes, and we're going to start a 9 a.m. service. We literally will have church at 8, 9, 9.30, 10.30, and 11. Is that right? Is that five? That's five on Sunday morning. Why? Why? Because we have a vision to always have open seats. Because I know a family right now who needs our church. And I can't have them come and say, we don't have room for you today. So if you always come to 8 a.m., no big deal, keep coming to 8 a.m. I don't know that we'll ever fill this one up completely. But if you're, but yeah, but if you're, (laughs) that's what I'm talking about, man. Like we're getting some dialogue now in this sermon. You can't hear it if you're in the video service, but we're we're, we're breaking all Pentecostal on us now. We got people shouting back, shouting back at the pastor from the seats. (laughs) I love it. We need some people to move. We need you to feel called enough to open up your seat and move for about two years. And then we'll build a building and we'll come back together until God tells us what to do next. But then there is this, we've got a new core belief. It's not new, but we haven't said it. But we've realized number six, this thought of multiplication. As we looked in the Bible, it's like, God, how are we gonna keep ministering to all these people? And God said, do what I've told every Christian to do. Do what I have told every Christian to do. This is the one really we're becoming the most passionate about. It's the core belief of multiplication. It comes from 2 Timothy 2, verse two. In 2 Timothy 2, verse two, Paul tells this young Christian, he's leading Timothy this. He says, the things you've heard me say and the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. He said, Timothy, repeat everything that's going on in your life in the life of someone else and then teach them to repeat it in the life of someone else. That's how the church begins to touch the world. Everything that happens in you, multiply it into somebody else and then teach them to multiply it into someone else. This is what every Christian is called to do, multiply their faith life. Personally, listen, multiply your faith. Personally, multiply your service. Don't ever serve alone on a Sunday. Don't ever go serve in the community alone. Be thinking everything in your faith life is supposed to be duplicated. Multiply your experiences. Don't go on mission trips alone. Don't go to women's conferences alone. Don't go to men's conferences alone. Don't just do your devotions and keep it all to yourself. Multiply your experiences and then multiply your growth. Paul said the things happening in you, help them happen in others and then teach them to help them happen in others. That's how the church impacts the world. Everyone just multiplies, just multiplies. And as a church, we wanna continue to multiply. We, We have to create new ministry environments where people can find and develop their gifts you know why we why we are excited about going to summit lakes other than opening up seats because it's going to allow a whole another group of people to serve in children's ministry who right now don't have an open spot on the field to serve because they're all filled it's going to allow probably another 20 people to be greeters and ushers who can't today because we don't need them unless you have new ministry environments you can't continue to plug in new minister's So we want to continue to multiply ministry spaces. We want to plant over the next 25 years and equip and resource as many sustainable journey churches in our city and around our area and and as many other churches. I was meeting with a, a, a kid from Philadelphia who's dreaming about planting a church and I said if you will come to Kansas City and train with us we will give you money and people will help you plant your church. It doesn't have to be a journey church. It can be whatever you want to call it. We just want to we want to reproduce our church. We want to plant more churches. I don't know if you know this. There are more churches that close their doors every week in America than that start. You see, everybody's planting churches. That's cuz so many churches are dying. More churches shut down than open every week in America. And then the thing I think we're most excited about is we said eventually the legacy of of our church, what's going to live on in our church is the next generation that we raise up. We're not just going to pass the baton. We're going to start whole new races. And we are praying about and launching this dream of a journey ministry school, a two-year, one-day residential school that exists in partnership with kids who are getting their associate's degree and, and that really gets them ready for ministry. Here is our dream. After seven years of experiencing ministry at our church, here's what we're realizing about a lot, not all, but a lot of the Christian kids who graduate high school in this community, they don't wanna go to a public university because they know it's gonna destroy their faith. They don't have money to go to a private university. Private Christian colleges are so expensive. They really don't wanna stay home But they don't want to go and we're watching kids go and either walk away from their faith and be wounded in their faith It's it's like war every day to go exist on a college campus and try to live for jesus So we've got this thing in our community called the a plus program where kids if They do well in high school if they have good attendance If they keep a decent gpa can literally get their associate's degree for free and we said what if what if We started a ministry school And every kid who said you know what before I go out into the world. I want to be solid and called and purposed in my faith. What if we said, let's buy some duplexes, let's buy some condos, let's, let's figure out a way to house these kids. And while they're going to Longview for two years, let's also put them through ministry school for two years. So when they graduate from Longview, they've got their associates in their field of study, but they also have a two-year degree in Bible and ministry and leadership. They spent time in Israel, they spent time on the mission field, they've served, they know their spiritual gifts. What if we could take all these kids and we could send this group of 20-year-olds on mission into the world? Instead of into battle without, without any armor. We said, man, great dream. And we said, let's start it right now. So right now, this year, we launched a JCI internship because we're not ready for the ministry school. And we let all last year's seniors know, if you wanna apply, you can apply to be in it. We will spend a year of intensive discipleship. We will spend a year of serving. We will spend a year equipping you. We'll, get you. we'll get you to Israel. We'll get you on the mission field. We will help you understand who God has called you to be, who God has created you to be, and we will unleash you on the world when you're 20. But give us a year or two of your life. And today, all of our interns, we have 12 this year are in our service. Would you, would you stand, guys, real quick? These first two rows. Guys, put your hands together. So here is... Here's our first group. We've got one or two that are out of town today. And guys, here's what I wanna tell you. I'm proud of you guys. And I know you will not be perfect. I I think it's probably almost impossible to be perfect between the ages of 18 and 20 in your faith. But here's what we pledge to you. If you hang with us, you'll be ready. You won't be perfect, but at 20, you'll be the most equipped group of 20-year-olds we've ever sent out of this church. And the world needs you. They need who God has called you to be and who God's created you to be. And we're with you. So thanks for trusting us. And you're one of our ministry internship. You can be seated. Give them a hand one more time. What will the impact of our church look like 25 years from now when a thousand of them have gone through that ministry program? Church will be a good hands. Listen, one day we're all going away. One day I'm going to preach my last. Every Sunday when I pray, I say, Lord, thank you that I get another Sunday to preach. I know one day it will be my last Sunday. I pray that every Sunday. God, one day will be the last one that I get up and I'll say goodbye. It's not yet. But what if on that one, we have a thousand kids like this that are living on the mission field, that are leading churches. Some of you one day are gonna have a video played about a church you started like that. And you're gonna sit in your chair and think, holy cow, it's unbelievable what God did because the vision he's calling you to is to impact the world so massively and so greatly. I'm excited about where God is calling our church. I see the vision from the mountaintop. But here's the deal, it doesn't work if the individuals aren't all walking together. So let's take just a little time to reflect, okay? If you could get alone on the mountain with God this week, what would be revealed to you? Homecoming season's upon us, I don't know if you know that. Homecoming's coming. And if you have a teenager, you realize now you have to go to more elaborate links to invite a freshman girl to homecoming than you did 25 years ago to ask somebody to marry you, right? Like, I don't know if you have teenagers, but teenage girls today, I feel like sorry for what it's gonna take for them to say yes to a marriage because I know what it takes to say yes to homecoming now. They have these prom proposals that you you have to give a girl. Like it's crazy the links you have to go to. Like when I was in school, like you would write on a piece of paper, do you wanna go to homecoming? And you would slide it across the table and you would put two, two words, yes or no, circle one, and send it back. Now you gotta do all kinds of crazy stuff. Like Prince Charming could step out of Cinderella get down on the ground before one of these girls and they'd be like you know i don't know that i want to post that on instagram that's a shoe you know like could you be a little more could you be a little more elaborate with your ask of me to homecoming or promise crazy so i'm gonna go old school i'm gonna go old school yes or no circle one if you could get alone on the mountain with god this week are you chasing the vision he's created you for or are you running through life yes or no circle one You just came through six days. Did you get up every day and chase the vision of who God's called you to be? Yes or no? Or did you just run through life? Did you miss another week without being who God created you to be, doing what God created you to do? Because if we will all chase the vision together, one day we'll get way down the road and we'll look back at our journey and say, holy cow, look at this, look at this, look at this. Look what God is doing and look what God has left a generation because a bunch of us decided to kind of move in the same direction together. Pastor Brandon asked me this week on the the podcast, do you think our church can really accomplish these goals? And I said, I have no idea. I don't think they're goals that can be accomplished. I think they're goals that are arrived at. We're not really setting out to do these things. We're setting out to grow spiritually, live generously, impact our community, impact our world, share Jesus, and multiply. Those are our goals. If we all do those, I think we'll arrive at the destination. I think we'll have a Bible Institute. I think we'll have a ministry school, accredited, where kids can actually come live. I think we'll give away $20 million. I I think we'll have a part of inner city, Kansas City. It looks different forever because we were, like I think all those things will happen, but only if we live every day chasing the vision. Will will you run with me? Video teaching service, will will you run with me? Those of you watching online, will you run with me? Because man, races aren't fun, but the finish line is. And if we could actually break the tape on a few of these things, our kids, our grandkids, our great grandkids, the world will be a better place for them but we got to run. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, thank you for calling us up on the mountain this week as a church. God, give us your vision for our lives. God, give us your next steps in that vision. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over the room. And in our video teaching service, which of these areas, as we reviewed them, did you score yourself the lowest? Say, Christian, what what do I need to do? Tomorrow, I wanna chase the vision. What do I need to do? What area did you score yourself the lowest on? Tomorrow, do something about it. Spiritual growth, generosity, community impact, global impact, sharing Jesus, multiplication. Which one? Which one did you think? I don't do that at all. Do it tomorrow. Just start tomorrow. Chase the vision. God, help us to be a church full of people chasing the vision, not just running through life. Help us to do it as individuals and as individuals, let us collectively do it as a church. Help us to accomplish every dream you've put in our hearts as we chase Jesus and we become who you've created us to be. We love you, God. We need you, but we're in. We're in. Help us to chase you and help us to arrive at so many of the the dreams that you've given us. Can't do it without you. But Lord, with you, we know we can do all things. So give us strength. And Lord, be with us, not just the next 25 days, but the next 25 years as a church. We love you, and God, we ask these things today in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.